Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings 2021 Pebble Beach Pro-Am DraftKings picks and preview. If you want to help out the show, easy. Smash the like in the comments section. Tell me your two favorite plays in the 6K range. Simple enough. You want to get into a draw for 100 American dollars? Easy again. Hit the description. You'll find the links to Daily Fantasy Sports Picks and Bets. The Mix. It's a new podcast by Mayo Media Network. Sometimes I'm on it. I do a one and done show on Wednesdays that you can check out. It's like 10 minutes. All the shows, very short form. But if you subscribe on Apple Podcasts in particular, download the episodes, obviously, but leave a five-star review, your Twitter handle or your email address. Say something nice about the show. You are in the draw for 100 US bucks. Jeff and I will be giving away the winner on next Monday's Pat Mayo Experience talking about Riviera. If you emailed uh, the Pat Mayo Experience at gmail.com after yesterday's show, you may have heard back from my assistant already. If not, she'll get back to you soon enough. We're all good on that front. And fantasynational.com, you got to use it. Come on, people. I'm, I'm urging you to use it so you can have some good lineups out there. You know, you'd be like me. You'd be like, oh, I, I'll generate all my lineups and they'll be looking good, but I, you know, I'll hand make my one for the uh, for the larger contest and lose all your money. That's what happens. FantasyNational.com slash Mayo gets you the 20% off simulator, lineup generator, all the stats you could ever possibly want all up there right now. Check it out. FantasyNational.com. Again, everything just in the description. People never look at the show notes or the description. A lot of good stuff in there. Like if you want to vote in the Custy Awards, that's down there as well. If you want to see how to properly spell Rick Gaiman's name, it's down there as well from rickrungood.com it's rick gaiman what's up pat yes many people do misspell it also uh i i too work hard on see the description is like all the questions we know you're going to ask we've already answered them a hundred times we've put the information in the description check that out first before you tweet at me that's kind of how i treat my descriptions the problem is like i'm guilty as a consumer of not looking at the description of anything as well i'm just letting people know that sometimes there's like hilarious information down there <laughs> yeah, there's 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 lots of good stuff. I uh, I do read the descriptions. That is a, a pet peeve of mine. So I'm glad that you've got it filled up with all the pertinent information, all the good stuff. You love to see it. How are you doing in the one and done so far? Uh, I'm actually doing okay. So oh. I believe I'm in. I believe I'm in the cashing position uh, currently in both the the big boy and also in the the one k. Uh, so oh, you, you played the one k. Look at you, money uh, bags. Oh, oh yeah, I'm in like sixth or seven, whatever like the last payout spot is. That's where I'm at. So uh, I had Webb last week, which unfortunately went awry, but Xander not winning uh, helped. I think there was only one person in the thousand with with Brooks, and then the fact that Berger missed the cut helped. So yeah, uh, off to a, a pretty good start. What is this, four, four events in? Yeah, four events in. I double barrel. I have the two entries in the race for the Mayo Cup. I use Hideki in both. Big mistake, because I had Brooks Ooh, initially boy. selected. Uh, but I'm still in the money in one of them, and I'm just outside of the money in the other one. So, you know, I got, I got to get a winner somewhere along. Having Patrick Reed at Tory really kind of helped out the one team where it has like one win and like three miscuts or three fortieths or something stupid like that. But DJ withdraws from Pebble Beach. That adds to like Matt Kuchar, Luke List isn't playing, Sebastian Munoz isn't playing. They're pulling guys out from like the mid-aughts to enter this field of 156. Killed the odds. He was four to one or plus 350, depending on where you look. You, sir, were savvy enough to grab... Patrick Cantlay and Daniel Berger in that moment between DJ withdrawing and betting sites, not taking them off the board. So you got good numbers on those guys now. 
Yeah, that's right. I mean, you you really got to pay attention. Some of these some of these books just let the let those numbers hang in there for even twenty minutes, which is a, a, a an eternity in our world. So I, I just quickly snatched up. Uh, uh, Patrick Cantlay. I snatched up Daniel Berger. I think I got Cantlay at 10 to one. He's now down to seven and a half. I think I got Berger at, I think I got him at like 18. I think he's down to 15 or 12, depending on where you're looking. So yeah, I'm, I'm comfortable with that. Obviously it's not every day that you even get a four to one uh, guy in the field, let alone then he withdraws and craters everything. So I felt it was uh, necessary to grab the next two that I thought took the biggest share of win equity. Do you think you could ever bet a four to one golfer in a field of 156 <laughs> players, especially at like the, these no. courses where they're super short and everyone's kind of live? Uh, no. And also like a two course rotation is even more volatile and just like, no, I, I mean, I, I've, I tried to figure out and my resolution for 2021 was like, play more Dustin Johnson, bet Dustin Johnson more because I, I never seem to have enough of them. And he finds a way to win however many golf tournaments he's going to win a year, but four to one, my God, I mean that we are getting, uh, closer to Tiger Woods numbers. I went back and looked at Tiger Woods, even 2008. It was basically, he was like minus minus one ten in some of those fields, which is uh, honestly probably good value with what he was doing back then but dj at four to one with how volatile golf is how deep it is uh no i would never have pulled the trigger on that yeah the course rotations is really kind of the key because you could play pebble on thursday and pebble gets wiped out by the wind then you play it the next day it's the easiest course alive so there's two courses this week we lost monterey peninsula which is historically the easiest of the three courses no amateur partners so we get like realistic rounds this time around so pebble beach has been lengthened by like 200 yards from 68 to like 70 and a half and spyglass is up like 100 yards from 69 to 70 and a half as well i assume that has to do with there's no amateurs around there's no infrastructure that you have to put in you can make the holes a little bit longer but half the players are going to play one course one day then they're going to switch on friday to the next one then both of the rounds are at pebble beach on the weekend and i wrote about this in my column up on dk nation this week and i i know it's for such a small segment of people but having three rounds of like shot link data is so big for us oh it's massive yeah and 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 you're gonna get guys who play shot link course like back to back like friday saturday sunday like three consecutive rounds it's awesome and then when you go back and you want to look next week at what guys did last week and you have an extra round of shot link data yeah it's it's huge i mean one day pat one day uh the pga tour will invest in a second set of lasers uh so that they can use them at the same time because apparently there is literally only one set of lasers that exist for shot link in the entire world so uh any t any chance that you can get uh to get as many rounds of, of shot link data as possible i'm i'm all in on we might even get some more camera at Spyglass too, because at the Amex when they cut the third tournament, we actually got to see shots from the Nicholas course. Yeah, for sure. And it, it should make, and, and it's just cleaner, right? Like the 36 hole cut is, is better than the 54 hole cut. I haven't seen uh, what like the winning score props are going to be, but you mentioned this earlier, like uh, Monterey Peninsula was, was the easier course. Now Spyglass, which is traditionally more difficult is, is 25% of the rounds. And without amateurs, you probably get a bit more difficult pin positions, nothing crazy. I mean, there's only so many places you can put them at Pebble beach, 3,500 square feet. Uh, so I'd be interested to see, because we've had a very consistent, consistent winning score, like 19 or 17 under par the last couple of years, what those props look like now with just a two course rotation. Ah, I had not considered that. The, the issue is that pebble can go from being like the overwhelming yeah. hardest one to by far the easiest one, uh, depending on what day that we end up getting. So I'm curious to see if the weather holds up and it's not super cold, if it does allow for some of those lower scores as well. The, and with no ams, like you said, I mean, Bill Murray might like be in this field at some point if people keep withdrawing. 
Uh, they're trying. Yeah, they're, they're trying to get amateurs in this field. I mean, you, you rattled off the list earlier. I mean, and Wyndham Clark is out too. And this, it was already, it was already a field that had like three really good players in it. It was very top heavy. The, it fell off a cliff very quickly and then withdraw, withdraw, withdraw. We are left with, uh, you know, a field reminiscent of, of, of an RSM classic and not a Pebble Beach Pro-Am. I wouldn't even say RSM without Dustin Johnson here, like nothing against Cantlay. Like he's by far the best player that it's like Casey and Berger than Zalatoros. I mean, this is like the Corrales Pebble Beach Open. Yeah, it's not great. I mean, I mean, Will Zalatoris has already been like, so he was, remember he was like the favorite, I think at Punta Cana. I think he was a favorite again at Bermuda. He's got like the third or fourth shortest odds here. It, yeah, you're right. It's starting to feel like one of those and not an RSM where you get some of those, you get the, uh, the sea isle contingent down there, you know, uh, padding, padding the strength of field. We don't even get that. No, it's bad news. Let's jump into the pricing then. <laughs> So Cantlay is now the highest price player. He is 11300 For reference, DJ was $12,000, the highest price player of the year. So Cantlay, Casey, and Berger are your three players over $10,000. It's a giant field, like I mentioned, 156 players, top 65, and ties make the cut, which is different than the normal cut line rules at this event, which is usually the top 60 in ties after 54 holes. So everyone was always guaranteed three rounds here. So it does change the strategy for DraftKings at this tournament in particular then we're back to like there's no more split courses the rest of the year it's the last time we really have to think about this are you building double barrel above ten thousand dollars or just playing like no one above there because i think you can make a pretty compelling case that if you could take like three guys in the nines it's probably as good as two guys in the tens yeah it's really close i probably would like to get two guys in the tens if I can make it happen. I mean, even when you get down under like eight thousand dollars, this it, this field is is starting to get a little hairy, and and you're paying prices that which I don't really care about, right? People are like, oh well, he was a thousand dollars cheaper last week. Well, it, it doesn't really matter. This is this is kind of the pricing that we have, and and it's what we've got to deal with. So uh, don't worry about what his price was last week or what it's going to be next week. But I prefer two guys at the top. I, I really believe that though, you know they eat up so much of the win equity even paul casey who won two weeks ago right his middle his middle east swing was a win and a 12th um it, it, he's in theory a really good fit for for this course because he's going to be a ball striker we know that he can't putt i feel like most people don't like to play paul casey or they don't even know what he's been up to for the last couple of weeks this is an interesting opportunity and pat do you think there's any merit to now that football season's over and these NFL guys have money in their in their DraftKings accounts looking for something to do this week. We're going to get some more casuals in the contest. I don't know because I went back and looked at like the download numbers and like the YouTube numbers for this show in particular every single year. There's not a lot of interest in this tournament. Maybe there is. I just feel like most of the people that tend to play or pay attention to golf hate this tournament. I'm with them. This tournament sucks. Yeah, it's not great. I mean, the American Express is worse, but this is also not yeah, great. Yeah, the, but, the, yeah but the American Express is different because you have no expectation that it should be good. <laughs> and then it becomes like kind of fun by the end. With this one, like, well, the Amex is usually a pro-am and it's like hard to watch because you don't really know what's going on. At least they don't cut away for like 25 minutes on the broadcast, like talk to some guy I've never heard of about his like awful golf swing. Oh, you don't want to see the uh, Konica Minolta swing vision of Luke Bryan's swing? Is that what you're telling me? That Pat? is That's exactly, not what, you're that is exactly what I'm telling you. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, fair, fair enough. And also you're going to get like the uh, Larry Fitzgerald. I guess you're not going to get it this year, but you'd normally get the Larry Fitzgerald, Kevin Streelman. These guys are actually friends in real life segment that that I guess won't happen this year. Feel bad for Streelman. Like him and Fitz have won this twice. Fitz is good. Do you think that impacts any of these guys that you're so used to playing this tournament a certain way? Like it really seemed, I mentioned this to Jeff, that when Casey got his new partner at this event in particular, he's like, I, I don't even know who he is. He's like some CEO of something, but he's like pretty good. He's friends with Paul Casey. And then ever since he became Casey's partner, Casey has been great at this tournament. There is for sure something to it. Unfortunately, it's going to be different for every single player, but yeah. the, the comfort level of who you're playing with goes a long way. The Streelman Fitzgerald connection is obviously great. There was a great quote from Jason Day, who actually likes the pro-am aspect because those long rounds gives you more time to look at shots around the green. And he was like, you know, sometimes when we play in two balls on the weekend, I feel like I'm sprinting around the course. When I get to Pebble Beach and I know I'm going to be with with an amateur, I have a lot more time. So some guys actually like the long rounds. Obviously, I. I don't, but uh, I, I do think that there is something to it. Unfortunately, it's just every single player is going to have kind of a different take on it. Cantlay is $900 more than Casey. And then Berger's actually 30s. He's 10-1. I think that the want is going to be go get Cantlay. I think that he's going to end up being the highest owned guy here by a, probably a pretty significant margin. Uh, and he should be because he's by far the best player in this field. Just look at the odds. Uh, now that DJ is gone, do you think that you can get away from not playing can't lay. Yeah, I, I, I think that especially if you are uh, kind of mass entering, if you're trying to play a little game theory, the idea of potentially getting Casey and Berger in the same lineup. I don't even know if it's possible. I don't know what you would have to do. It's pretty down easy. at the bottom. Okay, well, there you go. It's pretty easy to do. Uh, is, is, is incredibly appealing. You know, uh, Berger coming off a miscut, which we've seen over the past couple of years, people are realizing missing the cut doesn't really matter the week before. He misses the cut on the number. He has a little bit of a, of a mini meltdown, but he's super solid in every aspect of the game. He finished fifth here last year. I love the way Berger sets up for it. And then I mentioned the stuff about Casey before. So yeah, if, if you give me an opportunity to kind of just get off of a very popular Patrick Cantlay, grab the next two guys who are uh, eating up a lot of the win equity who are probably going to come in uh, at, at a, at some percentage, much smaller than Patrick Cantlay. That to me is a much, much more appealing build. So what I'm thinking, we'll drop into the nines right now. When I think about how ownership is going to divvy out this week. So you'll have Cantlay yep. um, as the highest owned of the 10 K guys. And then the next move is people are going to drop to Spieth or they're going to drop to Jason day. I would expect those guys are going to push like over close all three of those players I just mentioned, I think will push like 30% ownership this week. Uh, yeah, that feels like the next, the next natural landing spot. I'm, you know what I'm, I'm very much cautiously optimistic on Jordan Spieth for this week. If he was going to Torrey Pines this week, I'd be out on him. If he was going to a lot of places, I'd be out. This is obviously a really good spot for him. He's had a lot of success. He can use that short game magic. And he just absolutely struck the ball like crazy last week. I mean, by far lapped the field in strokes gained approach. I'm happy to pass on day. Uh, after hearing the comments and, and knowing what the ownership is is going to be, uh, I, I would much prefer to, if you can get a Zalatoris, if you can even go to someone like a Francesco Molinari who's having a great year I, I'm I'm cool to pivot off of day in this spot I bet day to win at 35 to 1 I looked at him this morning he's now 18 in some spots after that some people grabbed the early 50 that was up on DraftKings Sportsbook I think that I might be good with just betting day and not playing him on DraftKings uh, I, I don't know how likely it is for community wins to happen two weeks in a row because everyone's already bet him yeah 
Yeah, I, I, I would much prefer to bet Jason Day this week, although you probably missed the boat at this point. I'd much prefer to even play him in kind of a one-and-done scenario where you kind of want the extremes. Either, dude, just miss the cut or or win this golf tournament. Don't finish T27 and get me, you know, $30,000. Uh, but I, I don't want to be with 30% of my closest friends on Jason Day in a DraftKings lineup. So I, I see the merits for him, but I don't think I can actually plug him into any significant portion. I, I you hit on the name that I like because I bet Molinari as well to back to back top tens. He had the fifteenth in Houston. Uh, this is the sort of field that he's been playing recently and been doing pretty well at recently. Like even at Torrey Pines, like it was very encouraging. Like it's one thing to go to the Amex, like oh you're Molinari, you hit your wedge as well, maybe you make some putts, it's all good. The fact that he was able to string together that round Sunday at Torrey Pines and inch his way inside the top ten was really impressive to me. Like I'm very bullish on Molinari the rest of the year, and uh, if this is Molinari, like not even even classic Molinari from like winning a major in three tournaments in six weeks, but the Molinari from like the year before that, like great tee to green, like Kenny putt this week, who knows? Let's gamble and try to find out. He would be like $10,000 in this tournament. Yeah, for, for sure. I, I think I'm for a lot of guys in 2020, I'm willing to just like completely forgive what they did. It was a super weird year. These guys are, are creatures of habit. Molinari the most. I think he played seven times in 2020. He moved his family to California. Just like a super awkward season he had. Finally gets it going again. Now recommitted, refocused on playing golf and he's putting results together. You send him to a course where you don't necessarily necessarily need a lot of distance and he can lean on his short game, which over the past couple of seasons, you know, is around the green game has been fine. The putter uh, obviously has let him down at times, but that's that's kind of the mode and the model of, of golfer that I want for this week. So yeah, for, for sure, I, I too, Pat, am very bullish on, on Molinari moving forward. Uh, and the other two that are lurking right there, I, I think Cameron, I don't know if Cameron Davis is going to end up being popular because everyone's going to go to Spieth and Day in that range. And Cam Davis rates out for me really well, very good with the short wedges. Uh, and then you have, like you mentioned, Zalatoris, but see, woo! Kim, probably going to be incredibly <laughs> overlooked here, has a top five at this course as well. And I guess Sam Burns, Sam Burns seems overpriced, but, and so does Ricky, oh, but I'm, I bet Ricky to win and I'm playing Ricky. The Irons, even last week, really good. He, uh, the, the bottom of this nine range is, is, is awesome, right? So let's, let's start with Ricky Fowler. I am kind of out on Ricky Fowler, right? I mean, he's, we are now a year into the swing changes. I see the irons coming around. He's tinkering with the putter again. Uh, you know, we had a chance to, to interview him for CBS before the masters. And he was like, yeah, I switched to this mallet style putter. I'm not going away from it anytime soon started tinkering with it, right? He uses his caddy, caddy's blade putter on Friday. That is not the sign of a confident putter. And anytime you, your weapon, the one thing that Ricky has been really, really good at over the years, you lose that. That to me is a big red flag. Um, the the $9,000 range, you talk about Cameron Davis, raw talent, love it. Sam Burns, Dude, Sam Burns is legit. The uh, uh, and let me let me clarify what I mean by that. Uh, the upside, the ceiling rounds from Sam Burns are phenomenal. So he's played ten rounds this year. In four of them, he's gained at least three and a half strokes on the field. The other golfers who have done that in 2021 that many times. Your man, Siwoo Kim, who's won a golf tournament, Justin Thomas, and Xander Shoffley. That's it. The list is very short. Sam Burns' ceiling is incredibly high. The problem, of course, is floor incredibly low. He is one of the most volatile players. Like, you really hope that his bad round comes on Saturday so he doesn't miss the cut. <laughs> yeah, right. Because if he does it on Thursday or Friday, he's probably packing his bags. I mean, and, and also just let the bad round be. I mean, he's he's literally had rounds this year where he's lost four or five strokes on the field. Um, you know, his first round of the year at the American Express was that way. If his bad round can just be lose two and a half strokes to the field, like that's almost what I'm asking for him at this point, because the ceiling is 
is really incredible in what he's been able to do. So once he puts four rounds together or three and a half rounds or 3.75 rounds together, he's going to compete in a big way. I'm just trying to figure out like ownership. Like I think that Ricky is going to be the lowest owned guy, basically him or Phil above 8,500 bucks, which is just kind of crazy. Like I can see myself playing both those guys this week. Oh man, I, I, we, we are generally on the same page, Pat. Those two guys are, are just big red X's. I mean, I, I understand the Phil stuff, right? Which is five wins here. You know, even his last three years, as he's gotten older, as he's crossed, you know, on the wrong side of 45, now on the wrong side of 50, uh, he, he has still put up, uh, finishes here, but it, it's whack-a-mole. I mean, he's ranked outside the top, like 130 in nearly every single category. I mean, all four of the uh, major strokes gained categories. There are only, there's one golfer who has missed more fairways uh, than Phil Mickelson this season who have hit, who have uh, played at least 20 rounds. It's Jimmy Walker. I mean, it's just like a spray show out there. It is, but I mean, that's almost one of the credits to Spieth here as well, that if you don't hit it into the ocean, it doesn't really matter if you <laughs> miss the fairway here. There is, there is one official water hazard, uh, at Pebble beach. Like if you go check like the official stat stuff, it says water hazards, one Pacific ocean, which I think is phenomenal, but you're, you're right. You're right. Cause even when Phil beat Casey here, I think it was two years ago, three years ago, whatever it was like, he wasn't hitting fairways at all. He was just putting it in the rough and he was fine. Like Phil. And I think some of the missed fairways on the Phil part is him just trying to get the extra distance, which players just aren't going to really try to do with this course. You can't on a lot of the holes. It's a natural layup that you have to take. So you don't hit it into the ocean. And if it, this just comes down to a, a basically a pitch and putt, I still like Phil in that sort of con. There's only so many places that I can like Phil at this point of his career. This would probably be at the top of the list. I agree that this is at the top of the list of Phil courses. I still don't like it. I mean, you know, it's 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 one thing to miss fairways because to Phil's credit, he's never been an accurate driver of the golf ball. Like, let's be real. He's been spraying it for a long time. I, I actually think he's just kind of lost the short game magic that has bailed him out so often over the over the over the years. So uh, I agree with you. If I'm ever going to play Phil, it's here. But I still don't think he can he can make my lineups in a significant way. I mean, he just made the cut at Torrey Pines, gained to 2.3 strokes on approach there. So this is a much easier field. I just the It's so weird to look at the prices next to some of these guys' names and be like, what the yeah. hell is going on here? Like, realistically, like I see, like, if we talk about the eights, you have, like, Neesmith. Um, he is $8,000. My guy, James. Han! Mr. Meltdown on the back nine. Uh, he's $8,000. Like... Is there really a substantial difference between those guys and like the mid sixes? Uh, <laughs> uh, not significant. I would say, I mean, listen, you're, you're right. We're, when we get down in even further than that, it gets really, really scary. And uh, I think I counted earlier. There's like 91 golfers under $7,000, like but, a huge portion of the field. It's, it's but bonkers. it's not, but it's not that different though. Cause like Han, he's fine. He's playing well right now, but like, is he markably different than Andrew Landry? Who's 6,900. Uh, no, I actually kind of like Andrew Landry. Like speaking of courses to play Andrew Landry, like this would be the week. So no, I, I see what you're saying. You're saying the gaps between golfer number 35 in this field and golfer number 75 in this field is probably smaller this week than it is than most weeks, right? I would even say like from golfer 15 to wow. 125 yeah. are all a part of the same <laughs> tier. Uh, 
Yeah, I yeah, I I would probably go a little bit deeper than that, but you're you're right. I so so what does that mean? Does that mean we just make our lineups based on projected ownership and just pivot off of all these like if there's if we are splitting hairs on actual outcomes, uh what can we make decisions on? Is it just a straight ownership play? I think it's a straight ownership play or you need to get yourself a unique build that could really pop or try to jam in like your method of Cantley and Burger together, or even Casey, does generate a lot of win equity. That's one mm -hmm. thing. But the guys that you have on the back end, maybe it's enough to balance it out because those two guys have so much to begin with. But it's also far more volatile. Uh, just in, I mean, everything in golf is volatile. Cantley could miss the cut for all we know. But if you have to pair them with like, I don't know, I think you would have to do like three $6,000 guys in a low seven. Like you can get away with that this week because there is such a gap there. But if you wanted to go, I mean, you don't like Ricky, so let's throw Ricky. Let's use guys that you like. If you want to start your team, Siwoo, Molinari, not, not even that. We can start your team. Burns, Davis, Streelman, Homa, Norlander. Have those five guys, and then it's someone in the mid fives. Like, I know that doesn't sound appealing, but... I feel like those guys are a slight cut above all these other guys. Yeah, I actually, when you read that off, I was like, oh, that doesn't actually sound so bad. Um, yeah, so so where where does this fall off? Does it fall off after Phil or does it fall off before Phil, right? So like Tringale, like I'm not a fan. Like I I don't like that guy. So like, where does this actually fall off? I don't know. Like Tringale is one of the hardest people for me to figure out because every single week I look at the stats and the stats are like, you should play Tringale. And I'm like, I'm not playing yep. fucking Cameron Tringale. <laughs> and then he's like, all right. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's weird. I mean, he's got one of those beautiful swings. He pops up on on Tita Green stuff, and he finds a way to finish T eighteen almost every single week. And T eighteen um, is I, fine when he's seventy three hundred bucks. Now that he's right. eighty five hundred bucks, like that's a bit dicier for me. I think. Yeah, I think I need like so in that situation. So I would prefer Steel over Tringale because Steel actually has top five upside. I mean, he he coughed away the Sony Open. He probably should have won it for the second year in a row. But like, I think he actually has legitimate upside. I think Kevin Streelman is kind of that type of golfer too. Streelman's going to miss a lot of cuts. He's going to finish like 40th a lot, but he's going to finish second at the Travelers. He's going to try to track down. Uh, he's going to try to track down Dustin Johnson. Like he's going to pop up a handful of times a year with a top five. And there's a lot of guys in these eights that. Our, their ceiling is like T18. Yes. And Streelman has an excellent course history here. I mean, maybe yeah. that he's not playing with his buddy Larry Fitz that all of a sudden <laughs> he gets thrown out of whack. I don't know. But again, I come back to Fowler's going to be the by far the lowest owned of all these guys. And if the Irons truly are back, and it's been three consecutive events now where he struck the Irons incredibly well, I know that he's tinkering with the putter, but as it turns out with some of these like historically good putters, sometimes it just takes a week. It's like, oh, I figured it out. It's fine now. Yeah, no, he, he, these guys are so weird. He might have like felt that blade in his hand one round and found some feel and he's going to figure it out moving forward. And that's all he needed was to like be, be unfaithful to his new mallet putter for, for a day. Like these guys are super strange in that way. So I always kind of worry when, when they're tinkering that they're lost, but also that sometimes a tinker turns into, um, they, they actually found something or, or figured something out. It's kind of scary. And I'm just looking right now, the best putters at this course, historically, per average round, my guy that we'll get to, 600 to 1, Chris Baker, the birdie maker, number one <laughs> putting, Norin, Higgs, McNeely, Rogers, Berger, Seifert, Day, 
Like, it seemed Nick Taylor is up there as well. You have uh, Brant Snedeker, Jimmy Walker, all guys that have basically played well at this course in the past, and some of these guys have a much larger sample than just the times that they've won. That there does seem to be something to f these greens in particular. They're such small greens, so there's going to be very few three putts, but they're also really, really fast because, you know, the wind can burn them out and they start rolling like kind of crazy, plus there's a bit of bump into them. That there does seem to be a skill to putting on the Pebble, Pebble Beach and Spyglass greens in particular. And there is uh, a Pebble Beach at least. Uh, so they're Poana, but it's, I think it's like a weird type of Poana because what happens is is the Pacific Ocean is so close on a lot of these. Like that, that mist, that spray that comes off the ocean kind of messes with the poana a bit so they are very unique greens and so I, I do like looking at not only you know we can sort by poana we can sort by small greens whatever but i think there is even a more unique aspect to the pebble beach green so so that those stats that you just laid out the guys that you're talking about i do think they warrant uh a bit more consideration uh, than most guys, because I think this is this is arguably one of the most unique courses that we get on the PGA Tour. Oh, for sure. Anyone else in that 8K range that you'd go to? Like I mentioned, Noren just kind of popped on that list a little bit. That's Jeff's guy. Matt Jones just keeps playing well, and he's played well here too. Yeah, Matt, Matt Jones, I, I don't even mind um, going back to Matthew, Matthew Neesmith again. You know, he's a he's a great ball striker if you sort by kind of strokes gained approach for, um, you know, however you want to slice it over the past couple of, of rounds or weeks or months or whatever you want to do. Neesmith is going to show up. He played well last week. He finished seventh. He finished 11th here last year. And I feel like, I don't know what his price was. I think he was probably in the high sixes last week. I don't remember. But uh, he didn't get as big of a, a salary increase as some of these other guys. So I'm, I'm a bit more willing to swallow the pill take a $8,000 Matthew Neesmith than, than some of these guys who really popped up over the over the course of, uh, uh, or from last week to this week. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? Like, for example, me being stuck with two little kids and my wife in a very small condo for the past 10 months starts to wear on you over time. But BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. This is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is a professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which not may be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide, and you can log into your account anytime and send messages to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit through an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read some of the testimonials that are posted daily, like this one about Brandon Wolfenden, CMHC. He's a very kind man. He isn't pushy and doesn't probe for answers. He is gentle and sweet. This is what Catherine Boulay has to say about her. Great service. Things keep getting better with Catherine. Look forward to 2021. Visit betterhelp.com slash mayo. That's better H-E-L-P and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. A special offer for Pat Mayo experienced listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash mayo.
So if we go into the sevens, based on the way that I've kind of spelled it out with how people are constructing their lineups, I think that there could be significant value in the sevens if you can find the right guys. At, like This is how you differentiate your teams. Like Everyone's going to own the, basically everyone at the top. If you want to own some of those very highly owned guys, that finding the people in the sevens is the way to go. So ownership-wise, it looks like Malnati, Werner, Sabatini, the Gim Reaper, Shez Reavy, Scott Stallings, Joel Damon, Scott Piercy are all kind of the names that people are gravitating towards. It just feels like Harold Werner is way too cheap in this field. Uh, yeah. So after what we saw him do last week, which was which is classic Varner, right? I mean, and 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 he's he's so strange because he should probably be having better results than he actually does have because he has the skill set that's good on the PGA Tour, like strike the ball uh, really well and find a putter some weeks, but he doesn't do it enough. Uh, I, I like the way he played last week. The the smaller greens here at Pebble Beach are obviously uh, going to be beneficial for guys that uh, can hit them, right? They're they're super tiny. So I agree, seventy seven hundred for HV three is too short, and then. Uh, you know, Peter Malnati, he's, uh, he's one of the names that you mentioned as well, Pat, and he does it kind of a, a different way. Like he's going to rely, uh, heavily on the short game. So if you get yourself in some awkward positions around these greens at Pebble beach, you're going to have to get up and down. You're going to have to make some good pars. And he is just an absolute nut. Like he is going, he's going to make, he'll make four bogeys in a row. He'll offset them with, with four or five birdies coming. I mean, he's just an absolute nut. His fantasy scoring, when you compare it to his actual finishing position in these tournaments, he's routinely outpacing himself with fantasy points because of the erratic style of golf that he plays, which uh, can certainly burn you, but I understand the value in it. So the other guys that I'm kind of looking at at the moment, uh, so Varner, I mean, I, I bet Varner. You know, I have a soft spot in my heart for the Gim Reaper. I just think that he's good. Um, and talent-wise, I mean, I would have went back to KH Lee, but, you know, a second place finish. Now he's king of the castle. He doesn't want to play anymore at Pebble Beach. We'll see him at, like, the Honda Classic, where he could probably play pretty well again. Damon, I think that people just like Joel Damon, so they continue to play him. I, I don't see what's leading people down that path. But do you, I mean, if you didn't like Phil, you definitely don't like Furyk, right? No, um, it went when, when we finally, eventually, I don't know what year it's going to be, get, get champions tour, uh, draft Kings contest. A Furyk is going to be plug and play. Phil's going to be plug and play, but I will just let them, uh, hang here on the PGA tour for a while without any of my investments. You know, uh, you, you mentioned, um, Ches Reavy and, you know, I, he actually caught some steam on Twitter, last week because somebody like you know bet him at some outrageous odds to to win that golf tournament and, and how do you uh, uh, how do you how do you finish again dead last yeah, yeah he, exactly. he had a great week yeah. though thanks Miss missed the cut, which is now what four of of five for him. Uh, if you're throwing darts down here, uh, which I think I've I've started to do, I, I sorted and I went and filtered by you know small Poana greens and and Chez has been phenomenal, one of the best players in the field on on small Poana greens over the past five or six years. He's got a runner up finish three years ago. Um, I'm grasping. I understand that. I'm admittedly grasping, but but I don't 100% hate it. I think that I would rather go up in this range. Like if Malnati is sitting there and I know that he's going to be popular, he rates out really, really well. But someone like Knox is right below him. And I think they have comparable skill sets. I know that Knox is a far worse putter, but he's a much better ball striker. And no one's going to play Brant Snedeker. And I get why no one wants to play Brant Snedeker. But is he turning into like one of these like Phil type players where there's like four places you can play Snedeker a year? And it's all the places he's already played well at in his career. 
maybe. I mean, it, the, the trajectory for, for Brant in the last year has been really bad. I mean, I, I don't know the last time we had a top 10 finish from him. He's probably missing more cuts than he's making. It's, it's not even like he's missing more cuts, but when he plays well, he's putting it all together and finishing T8. That's not even happening at this point. So I, I do worry that Snedeker's trajectory is one that will not turn around. Um, I don't think he's certainly, I mean, he's much younger than Phil, right? He's, he's, he's much younger and, and probably has more competitive juices left in him but i'm very concerned about the, the long-term trajectory for for sneds you could sell me on brand snedeker being any age like between 24 and 67 <laughs> i would guess he's f- 41 i see i would say 30 i would say 35 that would be my guess this is like when it i is. when i found out that sheen lowry was like 32 uh brand uh, is 40 he's 40 right yeah he just turned 40 <laughs> so Here's an encouraging thing. I'm just going through the round by round on Fantasy National. So at the Farmers, it's been the one thing that hasn't gone away from Snedeker is proximity from 100 to 125 yards. He is constantly outpacing the field in this range on approaches. And there's going to be no course more suited for that to happen than this week at Pebble Beach. Get hot with your, you know, from 100 yards out, get hot with your putter, which he's still doing, which is nice. His 125 to 150, while not as consistent, is his second best range in terms of proximity on approaches. And then after like negative, 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 by a lot too, on approaches from over 200 yards at the Amex and Farmers, both of all the weighted rounds at those events, he actually gained on the field on his longer approaches. So that's where you're going to see the second most approach shots come from this week. And if this is going to come down to it's on POA, he knows these greens. I think I'd be willing to take a flyer on him getting hot for four days. It's definitely one of those courses, right? If we've narrowed this down to three or four courses for Snedeker uh, and even Phil at this point, it, it's certainly one of them. That, that pop stroke, I don't know if you know this, Pat, Brand Snedeker has a pop stroke. I know they've never no. discussed it on the on the coverage at all. Uh, tends to play well on the West Coast. Tends to play well on Poana. Just try to smash it through those little bumps as we go. So, uh, listen, there's there's three places I probably want to play Brant here, Wyndham, and I could find one more spot. Um, but I wouldn't be sprinting to the window for it. No. What what are his odds this week? I didn't even think about him as it came to the betting card. Is he over a hundred to one? Oh my God, he has to be right. I I, would I don't say know. He's, he's won. He's won 50. here before, though. Like, and this field sucks. I mean, so is Jimmy Walker. Uh, here, I, I have. That's a bit Brandt. different. <laughs> Brant is. Yeah, he's hundred to one. See, I might end up betting games. him hundred to one. That's not bad. Do you have an interest in like Rafa, who's coming back from overseas? No, no. I mean, I mean, outside of like the albatross he made at the players <laughs> one year, he. He's not, he's really done nothing, right? Um, and, and actually, he blew a Sunday for me at St. Jude, where he lost okay. a burger. Uh, he also blew a Sunday for me at Bay Hill when Molinari won. So thanks. Thanks for that, Rafa. If, if he, if his name was John Smith, we would never talk about him, but his name pops up. I mean, I mean, he's, I don't think he's remotely as good as he was a couple of years ago and he misses more cuts than he makes at this point. So no, I I've little interest in, in Rafa. All right. Defending champ, Nick Taylor out of nowhere. He went wire to wire. I know this event last year. He was nuts, which is, and he played with day and Phil on Sunday and like blew them out. 
yeah, coming off a miscut at Waste Management, 47th at the American Express, played well at Sony. I mean, I, I, there's not really much crossover between Wiley, but it's 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 shorter. Uh, the greens are small-ish, not necessarily what you're going to get here at Pebble Beach. You can get some, some kind of coastal conditions. Uh, I won't have him in a lineup, but at $7,600, I'd probably prefer him over... I mean, Patton, because I don't like Rory Sabatini. There's so much love for Rory Sabatini that I, maybe I don't understand, but I, I'd probably prefer Taylor over over those guys. I don't get Sabatini. Sabatini to me, and maybe the, it maybe it's one of those things where it exists in my mind. It doesn't exist in reality that if it's a hard course, play Rory Sabatini. He's good at those courses. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> maybe, maybe that is true. Something I could certainly look into. Uh, I've never heard that before. We thought about that. Let's see. Where does he play? Well, actually, he came 12th at the American Express, 10th at the Farmers, uh, 12th at RSM, 12th at Sanders. Maybe he just plays well, plays really well on like either really short Bermuda courses or hard course, long, hard courses, which would be strange. Because, yeah, short course, Heritage, top 20, Charles Schwab, top 20, Workday, top 20. Yeah, he's he's not bad. I mean, Slovakia, he's playing for a Ryder Cup spot here. Oh yes, he will definitely be in the Ryder Cup for sure. I mean, I guess he would actually, uh, if we get the Olympics, like he'll be he'll be there, right? Because he'll be the only guy represented. I think that he was that is the sole reason that he is now Slovakia, right? right. So that he could be the one golfer and be ranked anywhere as long as he's ranked anywhere inside the top like three hundred in the world, he's going to get there with the way the Olympics are set up. There are some like bad players in that field. It might be that that yeah. might be. A, I mean, you're going to have a nice top end, but the back end is going to be like, oh my god. Well, yeah, you're going to get four Americans. You're going to get two players from Spain. You're going to get two. You're going to get Rory and, and Shane Lowry. And and then you're going to get like somebody from India is going to be a representative. Like, yeah, you're gonna, you're literally going to get guys who are ranked uh, 600 to 1000 in the world making it because of how they have that that uh, structure set up. Yeah, we're going to have, geez, the two. I don't even know who the top two Canadians would be right now. I assume it's Connors and Hughes, but it could be Nick Taylor. It's not Hadwin. I'll tell you that much. Uh, it is certainly not Hadwin. It is uh, okay. So, oh my gosh, this this list is so good. Yeah. So Rory. Okay. So Canada has Hughes and Connors. That's who's in right now. Hadwin would be third. Nick Taylor is fourth. Taylor Pendrith is fifth. Taylor Pendrith. Good God. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't he Falls make the? the I think he made the cut at the U.S. Open. That sounds right. There's always like that one name that you're like, oh, look, here's this guy that uh, got, they show him, they show five shots and they've got like, they only know one thing about him. So they repeat that all five times they show him. I appreciate that though. That That's a move I can get behind. <laughs> the bottom of the sevens, Hubbard. I like Lashley a lot at 71. I thought he played really well last week. He did. Okay. So speaking of wire to wire, so Nick Taylor was the last to go wire to wire. And Lashley was the, the, the guy before that to do it. And he got in late and we couldn't even play him on DraftKings because he wasn't in the field. Uh, but yeah, he, he gained five strokes on approach last week. He lost strokes putting. He was a tiny positive around the greens and he was almost dead even off the tee. That is a pretty good stat profile for a guy that we know can get hot. Right. Like I know we haven't seen it since that rocket mortgage, but like he's he's in much better form than a lot of these other guys who are priced in the same in the same range. Yeah, I put a bet on him at 200 to one. Do you agree with my theory that these like like multi courses, shorter courses does allow for like the random long shot winner to come through out of nowhere? 
Oh, oh my God. Yeah. That, and that's almost like statistically proven. I okay, mean, good. I, mean, first I, all, I, I wanted to make sure I wasn't <laughs> making this up. No, I mean, first of all, you, uh, the, the, the length of a lot of courses, uh, to Brooks's point would eliminate like a vast majority of the field when, when they step on the first tee, uh, shorter courses don't do that. And then also, yeah, you, you the randomness uh, of the course rotation, I don't think people realize how crazy that is to kind of be bouncing around, especially like a three course rotation. It's why we've seen, we've seen Andrew Landry win the American express. We've seen Adam long win the American express. We've seen Nick Taylor win here. I mean, th there is a lot of randomness, depending if you're on the right or the wrong side of the draw for sure they, these are the places you and especially now that this field has turned into what it is like i'm i'm just probably going to be loading up on long shots for outrights yeah uh in terms of the stat modeling in the lower sevens here here are some names that the stats like uh, over the past 24 <laughs> rounds ryan moore tom hoagie QAnon scott piercy austin yeah. cook cameron percy that's not inspiring uh no and ryan moore has made like he's made three starts this year. He's missed the cut in all three of them. So, and he's ranking better than other guys. Like it's, it's, it's a bit hairy. It's probably because he's good off the team. He's good on approach, but um, yeah, no, there, there is, there is so little to like down here. I mean, I guess, I mean, Tom Hoagie is five starts removed from a third place finish. Now, now Pat, don't worry about the four starts in between because he's missed the cut in all of those, but Hey, maybe he pulls a Bryson, misses four cuts in a three or four cuts in a row, and wins the golf tournament. Yeah, just yeah. You, you, if Brooks can do it, so can Tom Hoagie. That, that's what we know about him. <laughs> I, I like. I mean, I always like Mark Hubbard, but it feels like this is a course where he could do really well. He can get the putter running hot. He's good at shorter courses, and he makes a ton of birdies. Yeah, he was uh, what he shared the co-lead on Thursday last week. So got off to a hot start. Uh, him and him and Matthew Neesmith, uh, he, he finished T30. So he fades a little bit. But if you would have signed up Mark Hubbard for a T30 before the week, I'm sure he would have taken it. And I would take it right now at $7,200. The other guy uh, that has popped up on, on leaderboards recently is Sam Ryder. I mean, at least he's made three consecutive cuts, which a lot of guys in this range, you cannot say that about. He finished 10th at the Farmers Insurance Open. So he's on the first page of the leaderboard there. Um, I don't want to allocate a ton of resources to this range, but if I had to, Ryder, Hubbard would probably be on the short list, Lashley as well. But that's almost to the point of what we were talking about before. Like, Neesmith is great and everything. He's striking the shit out of the ball at the moment. Yeah. But is he markably different than any of these guys that we're talking about, except he's in slightly better form? Uh, no. So as, as we start to go into this, uh, I, I, I agree more and more. There is little difference between uh, Mark Hubbard and Matthew Neesmith, except the $800 difference that, that DraftKings has laid on you. So this this almost to me is, is solidifying the fact that I'm probably just going to grab two 10K guys and just take my chances down here because the difference between Andrew Landry, Mark Hubbard, and some of the other guys more expensive is probably not that big. Which then pivots me back is I think that people are going to figure that out once they start tinkering around with lineups that that like 9K, 8K Harold Varner <laughs> anchor might be the move. Or at least have a few lineups like that. And I think, it, and I think that might end up being the unique side of it, right? So I think, I think that's the, the, the path that gets you to uh, a, a less likely duped lineup. So yeah, I could see that. Since coming in seventh at the Masters, CT Pan really hasn't done much. But again, I started thinking back to, hey, what's the skill set that can go really well here? Well, can you hit your long irons pretty well, like from beyond 200 yards and not put it in the water? CT Pan can do that. Can't putt for the life of him. But he is good with a wedge in his hand. He is. Where did he win? Heritage? Yeah. 
Okay. So, so shorter course, obviously that has smaller greens that will, uh, require you to be a good ball striker. And then if you miss the greens, you're going to have to be able to get up and down. So we found the magic, uh, for a week there, this is, uh, probably one of the closer, I don't want to call it a comp because they're, they're very different opposite sides of the, of the country, but shorter course, smaller greens. It's, Listen, we are we are legit throwing darts down here. That's not a bad one to throw. Uh, Stewart would be the other one too. Just another guy who typically yep. plays well at Heritage. Again, he's going to find every fairway. He's going to hit his wedges really well. And we know how hot he can get with the putter. I don't have a ton of faith in him, mind you, but that's no. where we're at with this tournament because this tournament is terrible. Before we get and, into the sixes, uh, I want to yeah. talk to you about you. You swore on Twitter, which I don't think that anyone saw coming. People think like, uh, you know, in your spare time when you're not talking about golf, you're like a pastor down at the, down at the local super church or something like that. But you were watching that yeah. gambling podcast, the gambling feed that was up, right? Yeah, I watched uh, for at least Thursday and Friday. I watched every minute of it. And then I saw like 50% of it over the weekend. Do you feel bad for, because I feel like there's, there's three guys who are doing it. I haven't watched a second of it because I, I, don't have Peacock, mm -hmm. but I am very intrigued by it because I think it can go really, really well. And I'm glad that they're doing it and hopefully they can yep. work through some of these kinks they have, but it feels like they put on two guys from the golf channel that should not be a part of this. And I feel bad for, I think it's the points bets guy, Like he gets it, but he has no one to talk to about it. I, yeah. So I, um, I described it as a really well executed bad idea. Uh, it was, it was, uh, the production was great. I thought the hosts were kind of handed a very difficult task and they did an, uh, they did a pretty good job with it. They would not have been on my short list of guys, uh, that I would have chosen, but I thought they did. Okay. The problem was the idea that they were essentially going to follow one group, uh, the entire time and make kind of random, off the hip bets of whether this, you know, whether uh, Ben on is going to miss the fairway, whether he's going to hit the green and they're wagering points against one another is the fatal flaw. I mean, I, I don't care about that. Nobody cares about that. Uh, I want to be bounced around to uh, the cut line. I want to be bounced around to popular guys. I want to get resolutions to bets that I could have actually made uh, as opposed to watching these three guys in a split screen wager if Ben on's going to hit the fairway or not. Well, let's try to set this up then. Like, let's try to talk this through to figure out how we can sure. remedy this problem. So I think that you need to have an overall discussion at all times about what the outright odds are for players. I think that makes mm -hmm. some sense that you show the leaderboard, you show the odds. That way you can inform people who may or may not know or who don't know how betting odds actually work. You can catch them up to speed a little bit. It's a very easy talking point. It's like, oh... Dustin Johnson just made a birdie. He was four to one to win this tournament, you know, after we're into Friday or something and he's you know two shots off the lead. He's actually now two to one because he's so close to the lead and there's no other of the big names up there. You can help describe it in that way. Following around a group, just one, I don't think makes sense. But if you had like the PGA Tour Live, like two or three featured groups and you checked in with them more often than not. I think that could make some sense too if you do your hole-by-hole -hole betting. But the issue is, especially with the streaming delay on some of this stuff, is that you might not get the odds in time. So what you should do is like, instead of doing the groups, like allocate a hole or two, preferably like a par three or if it's a par five for like a longest drive type thing, and to say like, hey, these are the three, this is the group that's coming up to number 14 in 10 yep. minutes. Here are the odds on these three guys on this hole. Head on over to blank to put in your wager. Who do you like for this one? And when they get to the tee 10 minutes from now, we can check in to see how they did. Stuff like that instead of being, like you said, is Ben Ann going to hit the fairway? It's like, who cares? I mean, no one's right. betting on this. 
So, so I thought they did, they had a really good graphics. They, they, they were really prepared with that. They would show the real leaderboard and then they would flip that leaderboard and show it based on what the outright odds are. So like Xander Shoffley, who was, I don't know, T5 at the time would be atop the leaderboard and they would talk through that, which I thought was really good. You're, 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 and also I think when you're a second stream, people are seeking you out there. You, you don't have to do as much education as you do if you were on the main broadcast where like my dad is watching it, right? Like you, these are people who are seeking it out, looking for this information. And I also thought, I mean, when they opened up the show, Pat, they, they were like, here are the six feeds that we have access to. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. They're going to bounce around. They're going to do all this stuff. They just didn't do it. So, so whether you're going to follow one, two, three groups, and when you have downtime, jump, jump back, jump back over to that par three and just show us who's over there, what's going on. These hosts were asked to vamp while these guys are hit after they hit their drive to walk to the fairway. That's like three and a half minutes of, of time you have to kill. That's an eternity. Like it, it was just such a tough ask for them, but it would be, I, I don't want to say easy, but like I, if you, if they change the focus of it and they committed to it, it would be a really good product. It would be really fun too, that if the host actually put like, if what you could do as a part of like a partnership with the broadcast, if you had these featured groups is that you could have like a three ball at the beginning of the day, people could bet on it and you can follow those groups around. But even as we get into like the back nine, it's like, Hey, let's have a brand new, like nine hole three ball that you yep. can go back and wager on. Then we can track it. And like, if you have the host and they're like kind of sweating it too, that would be kind of cool. Right, for sure. And 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 they they did a good job very early on Thursday. I thought they did a good job of creating drama and then getting a resolution to it in exactly what you described. Like guys were coming, you know, they were playing six, seven, and eight. And here were the three ball odds before it started. And we can follow along with that. And you're going to get a resolution to that bet very early on in the show. And then you can start over. But they abandoned that very, very quickly. So so I agree. You, you, you need to, you know, kind of create the drama. You need to get resolutions to the drama, but also paint the bigger picture of, hey, this guy who should not who was 100 to 1 before the tournament is now 10 to 1 or you know this golfer who was the betting favorite is struggling to make the cut and then friday should have just been a, a clear focus on what the cut line was going to be uh how it was i mean it was a very sweaty cut that we had in phoenix last week and it was constantly bouncing around and there was it was a great sweat and and none of that ever popped up all right so hopefully people are listening just hire rick and i we'll be good <laughs> there you go I mean, do you think uh, this is going to be sound like a very conceited question, but do you think that more people watch the live cut sweat show that I do with Jeff than tuned into this Peacock broadcast? Well, from what I understand, nobody has Peacock. Like every time I tweet, I tweet they're like, what is Peacock? So I would say probably that might be true. Uh, you know, and I actually thought, Pat, this show doesn't need to be four days. As much as I would love it to be four days, I wouldn't even mind it if it was Friday afternoon with a heavy focus on the cut sweat and then like Sunday for the final like three or four hours getting the resolution to all these bets. It just, I mean, golf we know is a lot of time to kill. And if you do it wrong, it looks really poor. I think that's where DraftKings comes in because obviously this is sponsored by PointsBet. So you can't talk about DraftKings on it, I assume, unless they want to do some sort of dual partnership in order to get this done. But honest to God, like... The cut line, monitoring that, and just go search by the giant $5 tournament or the giant $12 yes. tournament. Who are the highest owned guys in that tournament? Let's put a focus on them because that's the people people care about. They 1,000% they would not mention DraftKings, but there's the, the very easy way around that is, oh, wow, Daniel Berger's on the number. He was very popular in fantasy circles this week. Boom. I have just addressed it. I'm telling you he was popular. Everyone knows exactly what I'm talking about, and this guy is like mini melting down on this on the back nine here.
Or you can even incorporate in the same way, like just get DraftKings involved with it. Have a graph, sure. talk to Nelson, get the cut sweat like graphics on the <laughs> screen at the same time. Like, hey, if Berger doesn't make this putt, the six of six percentage goes down 22% or something crazy like that. Like it's, there are ways to do this. And that all becomes like time filler. And that is educational to the broadcast. Like how are they addressing, like if they're playing like two balls and they're looking at it and they're like, oh man, like let's take Doc Redman last week who couldn't make a putt to save his life. Be like, oh, yeah. Doc Redman's actually lost six strokes through four holes here putting. Uh, maybe he can turn that around at some point. Like, is there a focus on that at all? No. And that, and that was actually one of my, so the, 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 the big portion of this show is these three hosts making their bets with points, right? And keeping track of that all week, which one, I don't care if Steve Burkowski is beating, you know, Matt Gianella in, in points for the day. Like I literally do not care. Um, but I thought there was very little stat or analysis, right? Like exactly right. Like, oh my God, this guy has, you know, his, his front nine, he's lost three strokes putting. I think he turns it around on the back nine. It was just, it was the most random off the hip. Uh, well, I think Ben on's going to miss the fairway. I'm going to put 20 points on it and we'll see what happens. Like it, it was, they were almost trying to force them in so much that they couldn't even have time to tell you why, which I thought was strange. Yeah, see, and then, listen, you incorporate DraftKings, you incorporate some of these simulations in that project the cutout, you get Fantasy National involved, and be like, oh, when Ben An when Ben Ann is in the left rough on this length of hole from this range, he actually misses the green 32% of the time. Like, that would be, how does that compare to the odds? Like, there's a, I don't know if that's too complicated for people, but I would think that if people are searching out this feed, that is stuff they would actually want to know in real time. Yeah, that, that was my point. Like, this is a second stream that I have to have a premium subscription service to get and, and like intentionally seek out. So I didn't want just stick your toe in the water and, and teach me what plus 150 means. I wanted like, no, no, no. Like, here's all the data. Here's all the odds. Uh, not even try to be all that educational. Just like go with it, baby. That's what I was expecting. All right. Or hoping. Good talk. Hopefully producers are listening. You can contact Mayo Media uh, and Rick Run Good. We can consult or we can hop aboard. We'll see about this. 6K range at Pebble. Is this just like a play your hunch week? Like, is there anyone who rates well from down here besides my guy, Chris uh, Baker? Who's what gonna about Brian? Gonna so, so the answer is probably no, but I was going to say Brian Gay, right? If we get if we get uh, a couple of courses a year, Brian Gay, who has had uh, two top eight finishes in the last three years, he's only, like, it hasn't been good, but he's, what, five starts removed from a victory? Uh, I would probably pl play Gay, but no, this range is play your favorite golfers, the guys that you always play that always screw up your lineups, or the, the, the strategy that I like, Pat, these guys with, like, really small samples or no samples we don't know anything about are almost better than the known entities at this point. So you're saying, like, I voted for Konos is the guy you're going to play? Uh, what, or uh, I was more thinking about Akshay Batia, but, like, yeah, or Davis Riley, who, uh, you know, just just turned pro a couple of weeks ago. You know, someone like an, an, an Ogletree, who, who if, if you want to talk about who misses fairways at a rate of Phil Mickelson, Andy Ogletree is one of those guys. So, like, these unknown entities that are either just turned pro, very young, uh, I almost lean on them than being like, oh, wow, is Bill Haas going to do something this week? Like, I know what Bill Haas is. I, I gave a hard look to Min, woo! Lee, but he has been god awful for like six months. 
Yeah, I mean, he won uh, He won on the European Tour last year, and I was like, oh, man, wow, he's in this field. This is going to be great. I can't remember the last time, if ever, he's played a PGA Tour event, and I did the same thing. He's missed, like, five cuts in a row. He's just He's been really brutal on the European Tour. I was trying. I was dying to, to get away, uh, to get Min Woo Lee into, into some of my lineups, but um, I saw that you saw Pigman's in, the, in here. I don't know anything about him, but Pigman's in the field. Yeah, Pigmania, running wild on everyone. <laughs> he escaped from that hospital when Kramer found him and let him go, and now he's showing up That's at Pebble right. Beach. Yeah. Kenny, Kenny Pigman, 6,100. <laughs> you, you got like Zach sucker, Ben Taylor. Do you play the Taylor narrative? You go every second year. So Ben Taylor next year is what we should be looking at. For so sure. How Von about this? Taylor, Phil, Nick Taylor this year, Ben Taylor next year. Oh, wow. You can make basically make an entire ta- And then when Taylor Pendrith plays, you could get a full Taylor lineup in this thing. Um, Michael Kim. Remember when Michael Kim missed like 30 cuts in a row? He's made two. Uh, has made. He's made three. He's made three of four. He's Ooh. made three of four. They bumped him up a massive $200. He is now $6,200, three out of four cuts. Michael Kim's back. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Can I interest you in a guy who's missed eight cuts in a row? Uh, maybe because there are some guys down here who have missed like 10 cuts in a row. Who is it? Nick Watney. Oh, boy. Nick Watney. There's a Nick Watney tracker on Twitter, which I find hilarious. Uh, because it's, I guess it doesn't work weekends, which I guess is good. What, what's, what, what is the, can we find one thing about Nick Watney that is, that is good for this week? Uh, he just generally tends to hit his irons well at Pebble Beach. Even last, even the last two years that he's missed the cut, gained at Pebble Beach, gained at Pebble Beach. You'd have to go back to 2014 was the last time he was actually in the negatives uh, at Pebble mm-hmm. Beach in terms of losing strokes off with his irons. I don't know if I can, I'm going to go with Baker. Baker's going to miss the cut and I'm going to feel like an idiot, but I'm just going to play Chris Baker at $6,200. I play him every random week anyway. And he seems to be like even cheaper this time around. Yeah. There are some guys down here that are uh, right. Even cheaper than they normally are just because they're getting lumped with the bottom of the barrel. I mean, uh, literally David Duvall is in this field. He's six, he's, he's the min 6,000. So it is, it's, it's that scary. So yeah, I I'm taking the, the, uh, the scrubs that I normally do and guys that I know little about, because I think that's good this week. Yeah, like Lebiota's down here. Yeah. Sung Kang. Kelly Kraft, I think, made the cut last week. You mentioned Jimmy Walker before. He's also down in this mm-hmm. range. Who can Hunter I... Mayhem. Did he make the... Oh, no, he didn't end up making the cut last week. He's I, I, I got to check in on this guy. Rob Oppenheim. Guy gets hot with his short irons. Can't putt yeah. to save his life. But at 6500 bucks, I feel like he's going to score here, if nothing else. He can get up and down too. Uh, I like his. I like uh, the way he plays around the greens. He finished. He finished eighth here. First of all, he's made at least four cuts in a row at this event. He finished eighth in 2017. Uh, Sixty five hundred dollars. Rob Oppenheim, who uh, will need to lean on his wedges around the greens this week, but that's the strongest part of his game. Yeah, I, I think I can bite on that. Josh Teeter rates out really highly for me. He has made two cuts in a row. He's another one that, like, when you run stat models, I don't know what it is particularly that he does well, but it's something. Besides being, like, friends with Wiley. Uh, oh, really? I did not know that. Um, <laughs> Teeter, Teeter is, like, the most average player in the world, right? Like, I mean, he just, like, off the tee approach around the green, he's so close to zero. Uh, you know who I thought was, I was so bullish on, I thought was going to be really good is Christopher Ventura, and I was really stoked to play him, like, this 2021 season, and now he's just in the midst of something real wild he's missed four cuts in a row and we haven't seen him play well but i was i was hoping his raw skill and he would follow that oklahoma state narrative and he would figure it out i would go to duffner because you know he's the wedge master but even his wedges have been god awful 
recently. Like it's it's yeah. rough treading out there for a lot of these guys. He was on uh he found his way into I don't know if it was featured coverage last week or or PGA Tour Live. My God, that guy, if you thought he was walking slow eight years ago and he didn't care about golf, you should see him now. It's pretty amazing. Uh Roger Sloan is one I think I can get behind. Good, good Canadian boy. Get him in the lineup at 6,800 bucks. Just feels like he's good. <laughs> like he's uh he always pops. I always see like see because the Canadian flag stands out. So I always see when the Canadians are like in the top 20. And he played well, I want to say a couple of weeks ago. I don't know how he ended up finishing, but uh I've seen his name pop up a bit. So that's that's I mean, Bo Van Pelt made the cut last week. He finished 30th. Yeah, so 61. Roger Sloan has made five of seven cuts going back to last oh, year. Uh, he was great. 40th at American Express. He was 53rd at the Farmers. Like, these are weaker fields than those. So he gains off the tee. He gains on approach. Can't really putt. Can't really chip. But, hey, you hope that he gets hot with the irons for two rounds and sneaks through. Yeah, I think I mentioned it earlier. I I, I counted, like, 91 guys, like, sub-7K. I, I mean, it's just it, – there's so many of them. It's the majority of the field. Um so you're going to have to probably take some stands here, find something find something you like and click his name. Yeah, find one thing you like about a player like <laughs> TPJ. He's right. won here before. Um, right. Yeah. Patty Harrington screwed me last week in my best lineup. I don't know why I was playing Patrick Harrington, but I did. Uh, Chase Seifert. I can always get behind a Chase Seifert from time to time. Who else is down here? Killa Keith, Andrew Landry, who you had talked about before. Right, man. Yeah, bad. that's he's he's right at sixty nine hundred. He's probably the guy. You know, uh, the shorter courses where uh, you have to be more exact off the tee, and you can be rewarded for accuracy over distance is exactly the type of setup we want for Andrew Landry. Finished fourth at at RSM uh, at the end of uh, twenty twenty calendar year. Obviously, he's won the American Express in the past. So that that to me, he's he's high sixes, but would be one of the guys that'd be more comfortable playing over over a lot of his peers. Uh, even Kevin Chapel, who's apparently playing. Oh man, Kevin Chapel. Um, what happened to him? He, remember he shot. So he shot a fifty nine that should have been a fifty eight, and then he also didn't shoot in the sixties that week. He shot four round, three more rounds <laughs> over seventy, and like unbelievable. The guy, like I've got all these little trivia tidbits in my brain about this guy. Um, yeah, he just he, he remember. Okay, do you remember? There were people, and I might have been one of them, who was like, he's 60% of Dustin Johnson, right? Like, he wears the flat brim, he's a ball striker, all this stuff. And uh, yeah, definitely wrong about that. That never that never came to fruition. I always just thought he was like mini Jason Day. Because anytime Jason Day would mm. win a tournament, that Kevin Chappell would be in like sixth. Yeah, maybe it was Jason Day that I was thinking of and not Dustin Johnson, because that comparison makes a lot more sense. <laughs> so of the $6,000 guys, uh, I got Seifert, Sloan, Oppenheim, and Chris Baker. Those are my four guys. All right. All right. I would I would like Landry. I would like uh Akshay. Oh, I would let's talk about Akshay. Should we should we be playing him in Ogletree? Just play like you said, just play the upside guys. Uh I think so. Yeah, I, I mean, Akshay is so young, and he's going to figure it out. And he missed a bunch of cuts to start his career, and he's he's getting better recently. He's he has gotten hot, which I like. I mean, it's eight holes at a time or whatever, but that's more than a lot of these guys can say. So yeah, I really like the upside of Akshay as he continues to figure it out. Uh, Ogletree, I feel like he's a bit behind. I mean, he's had a slow start to to turning pro. It's only been a couple of starts for him, but like a Davis Riley. I mean, these guys are competitors at the highest level collegiately uh akshay obviously skipped college to 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 turn pro but uh yeah i mean these are guys are competitors who know success and this is 
probably the weakest field that a lot of them have ever been in professionally. Yeah. So what did Riley ended up making the cut last week? He made a charge at it and he has had an incredible amount of success on the corn Ferry tour. He's been like bad though, since he like last won on the PG on the corn Ferry tour though, but he made the cut at Wampo miscut, miscut 64th miscut. And some of these are corn Ferry events, 24th, 31st miscut. It hasn't been good. He was bad. His ball striking was God awful last week. He gained like five strokes putting. Yeah, there was uh there was a time on the Corn Ferry where it was like him and Zalatoris were just like ripping through that tour. Uh Zalatoris obviously continued that onto the PGA tour. Davis Riley still trying to figure it out. It's it's not great for sure. Um, but I think it's better than like I'd rather play him than I don't know, Kiradet after Barn Rat. Yeah, you got to get Kiradesh on Bermuda green grass. That's where you want to play him. Right. We didn't, I mean, Kyle Stanley rates it well. I don't know how I feel about him here. If you were to fill out your lineup and feel comfortable with your last man in, who do you think that would be? I think for me, it's Lashley at 71. Ooh. Like, I feel like okay yeah. with that. Like, if I'm, I'm trying to th- figure out, I've been reviewing my $200 lineup on the Sunday show and I've lost every single week. So that's <laughs> a lot of fun. But I feel like when I construct my lineups this week, like Lashley will probably be my last man in. Like that's how I, I'll, I'll work back from there. Cause I feel like he's going to make the cut. I, I would, I would actually be pretty comfortable with Lashley as my last man. And I I'm a glutton for punishment. So I probably would go down to Baker, 62. <laughs> no, probably not Baker Landry. I, I'd go down 200 bucks more and go down to Landry, but uh, I I'd, I'd be, I'd be pretty comfortable with last. I mean, listen, anytime you can get a guy who struck it as well as he did last week, uh, that's listen one, one week head and shoulders above a lot of the other guys around him, uh, in a field that is historically bad for Pebble beach. Yeah. I I'd be pretty comfortable with Lashley being my last guy. Yeah. So I, I think that like Lashley and Werner will be my last men in on most teams. I know Werner's more, obviously far more pricey at this point. What is he? $7,700, yeah. maybe Gim at 75, or I just try to do like the double barrel if I don't go to Baker, like Lashley and Hubbard, 72, 71. That gives me a lot of freedom up top. Yeah, you could make some you could make some pretty good lineups with that. Uh, you're not going to be able to get into the 10K range, right? You're not going to not be able to get two guys in the 10K. So you're probably going to build those much more balanced lineups. Yeah, like that way I could do, I could probably do one of Casey or Berger. And right. then I can kind of have like Cam Davis, Molinari, and then... Um, even like Norlander, if I wanted to, I don't know if I like that lineup, yeah. but that's, I'm just trying to think around how I can construct these lineups. It's not the worst thing I've ever heard. Uh, definitely much more comfortable than, than jamming in uh, West Roach or Sung Kang or something like that. So it, it, it sounds, it sounds a lot better. I don't mind it. I feel like Sung Kang had one really awesome round at this course. Wasn't he in, no, maybe that was Charlie. Wee. No, I, no, can't I think it was. I think King shot like a 60 at this course one time. He was like in the mix with Tiger and Phil. <laughs> it, it was at one of the, it was either, was it here or was it at the American Express? One of the three course rotations, he he like shot the course record at one of the courses. I it, don't remember which it's, event it's, it was. It's at this event. I think he shot a 60 okay. at Monterey Peninsula. Okay, that's well. Now that's that's gone. So he doesn't even that's get to play great. that course this week. <laughs> I, I mean, maybe you can. You're you're better at manipulating the stats than I am. It'd be funny to take a look, like compare everyone's numbers, like from like the past three years playing at this course, and then subtract Monterey Peninsula and see who has like the biggest gap. I bet Ooh. you it's Potter. I could do that. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, that would be fun because now now they don't get to take advantage of it. Spyglass has beaten guys up in the past, and then Pebble, as you mentioned, is kind of all over the place. Sometimes uh, can play easy, sometimes can play really difficult. So yeah, that that would be cool. Let me see if I can do that. I like that. 
Yeah. So uh, you go over to rickrungood.com, follow Rick on Twitter and figure that out. Check him out on CBS as well. Do you do the show? I, I was talking to Brinson yesterday, who does the CBS NFL football show. You know, he came second in the $15 last week. I do. He won $80,000. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I, I, I was getting whiff of it because uh, I knew on Sunday as it was closing out, as Brooks was making a charge that Brinson was moving up the leaderboard. Uh, and then of course, when he did finish second, won the 80 K and we have a, you know, a, like an email chain that we had going with him. So it was all good. The, the Brinson bucks are available moving forward. So get in all the contests that Will Brinson's in. He's going to try to donate some of that back. He's such a nice guy. I'm glad he, I'm glad he was able to uh, line his pockets a bit. Uh, per round average at this tournament at Monterey Peninsula, this is just by strokes gain total. The best players, uh, and this is per round averages, no one has more than eight rounds. Some people have one, but Harry Higgs, Paul Casey, Sung Kang, Sam Ryder, Phil Mickelson, Jason Day, Bryce Garnett, Scott Piercy, Vincent Watley, Bo Hogg, Brian Gay, Andrew Putnam, and then Patrick Cantley are your best players at that. Wow. Okay guys that have taken so casey day or names that i heard that are at the top of the board have taken advantage of the easy course very interesting i wonder how that'll affect them i'd, I'd like to look at what they've done the other two courses as well yeah i mean i'm sure they've probably played them pretty well yeah. if but i maybe it's more helpful to look at who has played poorly at monterey peninsula yet oh has yeah like there a, you go and then don't worry about it siwoo <laughs> kim awful ct pan of awful uh let's see who else here harold varner in his one start very bad at monterey peninsula over the years um who else like of significance max homa is another i like max homa this week i don't don't want to bet him at 30 to 1 but i think his DraftKings price is pretty good yeah we're we're seeing shades of homa before the shutdown last year when he was rattling off those top 20 finishes uh every single week i think he's getting back into that i i agree i've been i've been bullish on him i've taken some top 10 top 20 numbers over the course of the past couple of weeks uh yeah i would never bet him that short but i i do like the trajectory that he's back on so homa steel cam davis malnati all players cool. who have, and Streelman, weirdly enough, are players that have struggled at Monterey comparatively to the rest of this field over the years. I, I love that. I love that because those are guys that had, didn't even take advantage of the easiest course and they were still able to, especially Streelman, who's like had a bunch of great finishes. I I, I love that. Those, those all sound like names to me that I will probably be investigating further. So yeah, you dig into that. You let me know how the results turn out and we'll share it around with the people. All right? Love it. Thank Beauty. you for lending so much of your time today. <laughs> Of course, always good to hop on with you, Pat. I don't get to do it every week. So when it when the opportunity is presented, you know I'll be here. You know, if, when they contact us to do the gambling feed or the DraftKings <laughs> feed, you know, we can just talk to each other every week about golf. Uh, sign me up. Just send send over the details. I'll be there. <laughs> All right, I'll send over the contract. I'll be like, give 95% of the money to Pat, 5% Perfect. to Rick. We'll be good to go. <laughs> Love it. Just let me let me talk about golf and betting every single week. We'll do it. All right. Uh, you can follow Rick on Twitter at Rick Run Good. You can go to rickrungood.com as well and check him out on the CBS podcast and on YouTube on the Rick Run Good YouTube channel. For me, I'm Pat Mayo. You can follow me. Become a member at fantasynational.com slash Mayo at the end for that 20% discount. Smash the like and enter that draw for 100 bucks for daily fantasy sports picks and bets. My one and done show will be very quickly up there on Wednesday morning. All right. I'm Pat Mayo. Thank you all for watching. I'll see you next time. Have your experience! Experience!